Thank you. You know, when we were worshiping just now, I, I just uh, I got a little overwhelmed um, with the sense that God was just speaking to me about, about my own reverence for Him. And, and there was just a sense in which I, I, was just, I, I was just overcome with the thought that right now what I am about to do is so sacred. And, and I don't think that way a lot of times. Like, I, I, I just get up there and I start talking, and it was, just, it was just a thought of God reminding me, man, I'm speaking about Him tonight. And the thought of what a, what a heavy weight that is, the thought that I, I want to represent Him well. I don't want to say anything that He doesn't want me to say. I want to speak with reverence, with honor. I want to be careful with my mouth and not be too, too quick to speak. It, I, I, it was like God's opening my eyes to just, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to just get into a message. I don't want to just kind of do my thing up here. Like, I, I want this to have eternal significance. I want God in heaven right now to be looking down and going, oh, they're actually, they're actually seeking after me. They actually are, are right now surrendering to the Spirit and saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, because I'm telling you, in the flesh, I battle that. In the flesh right now, I want to I go to a sermon that worked last week. You know what I'm talking about. I want to go with the plan that I know is going to work versus right now just surrendering and saying, God, is that really you? You know what I'm going to go for? It. Is, is it this reverence that you're talking about that you, you want us to treat you as absolutely holy tonight? And he was opening my eyes to just how huge your role is. They were talking about, or she was talking about how I I was uh, deeply in youth ministry. I, I came to the Lord when I was in high school, and my youth pastor, man, he met with me every single week. Every single week for about four years. It was from my sophomore year in high school all the way through my sophomore year in junior college. And, and, and he taught me about God and we, we hung out together every week and, and, uh, and he really discipled me. He really taught me. It, you know, he would teach me, you know, you've got to win some of your friends to the Lord. He goes, I'm not going on the campus. You go and you teach them. And he gave me this passion for the Lord where I was on the campus every week trying to share my faith with my friends. I remember being a junior in high school and then just opening up the yearbook and one by one calling every single senior I knew because I was freaked out. I thought, and I'd just go, hey man, this is the weirdest call you're going to get, but I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know if I'll see you again and something happened in my life. I got to tell you about it. Man, he, he trained me for that. He taught me that. I remember my senior year when I was graduating from high school. I was so excited to go to summer camp with, with my friends, with the senior guys. We're all going to be in a cabin. You know, this is what we look forward to. And I remember on the way there, he says, hey, Francis, I'm actually not going to put you with the senior guys. He goes, I'm putting you with the freshmen. I thought, what? And he said, he says, you know, you're their leader now. I mean, I was 17 years old. 
and he put me in charge of these guys because his whole mindset was, no, I've worked with you for a couple years. I taught you, and now you know how to lead other people. See, that was his goal. It was this discipleship about, about moving someone to the point where they knew how to baptize someone else, teach them about God, teach them how to make disciples. And we're being 17 and just freaked out by that whole thing. But he says, no, you're ready for it. Go for it. And I remember these, these freshman guys that were just given to me in this sense of responsibility. And he knew. He goes, you know what? I want to get Francis to this point to where once I get him there, you know what? The sky's the limit with this guy. Yeah, I went on to Bible college, but I didn't learn anything. It, it was... Uh, it was my, it was those days in youth ministry with my youth pastor that taught me. And, and that, that's why I think about this. I go, man, are, are we serious about that? Are we going to really raise up this generation? Do you have in your mind this goal that once these seniors in high school graduate, they can stand on their own? Maybe this is, this is really fresh on my mind because my oldest uh, daughter is 16. She's a junior in high school. And I'm thinking, man, I got a little over a year. I've got a little more than a year with her. And then, and then I got to let her go. I mean, like a year and a half. And, and the whole thought is, 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 is like everything. It's like crunch time for me as a, as a parent because I think, man, I got to let her go in like a year and a half. And I got to know that she can work a job, earn a living. I got to know that she can cook for herself, take care of herself. My wife's saying, okay, is, is she going to be a good mom? Is she going to be a good wife? I mean, we're sending her out there. I mean, I don't want her 10 years from now going, hey, dad, you know, can you raise my allowance? Because at that point, I'll go, oh, man, I screwed up. I, I mean, no offense if you still do that, but it's, it's uh it's that whole thought of, man, this is my job is to get her to, you know, so she doesn't have to call and say, Mom, will you cook me something? Dad, will you give me money? It's like, no, we were preparing you so you could stand on your own two feet. And if I didn't do that well, then, then something's wrong here. And, and as a pastor, man, that's where I feel like I failed in the church. You got people sitting in churches 10, 15 years still going, you're not feeding me enough. Your sermon's not deep enough. It's not, you know, and it's like, wait, you should have been a teacher by now. I want to think, you, you, you think through your goals. Are you raising up these people that know how to stand on the word of God? For themselves. They, they know how to study this book and love this book on their own because there's so many false teachers out there. You know, I just feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. Can we just, can we just pray? I just feel like I'm talking too fast and um, I've got so many thoughts in my head and I don't want to I don't want to do anything that he doesn't want me to do tonight. I just want to sense that when I'm done, if the Lord were to take me home tonight, I would go, man, I think I said everything you told me to say. And I just want to do that. Would you just, would you just bow with me right now? And let's, let's remember who we're talking to right now. 
Father, I just feel myself going back into the flesh. I want to recognize you in heaven tonight. Holy, holy, holy. God, I'm breathing right now. Because of you, I'm thinking right now. Because of you, God, I will see you any second. We all will. God, anything good comes from you. God, I don't want to try to make anything happen in the flesh. So God, we just surrender this time to you right now, God. God, what do you have to say to all of these young life workers? What do you have to say to me, God? We're just people. to lay aside our pride right now. And truly confess that anything good is going to come from you. Any real fruit tonight is, will only be if I am connected to you, the vine. Jesus' name, amen. The whole idea of discipleship is to reproduce yourself. And a thought just came to my mind as I was praying Just, if we're all about reproducing ourselves, duplicating ourselves, then it's so important that tonight we really look at our lives to see whether or not it's good to duplicate ourselves. You know what I mean? You know, I tell that story about my youth pastor and how he prepared me for ministry. And I just believe the Lord's leading me to be honest with you tonight and tell you how I blew it in youth ministry. And how for a couple years I was just an absolute liar after that. I think the idea of a, a position got to me pride just got to me. I started lying about things, started hiding my sin. I was 21, 22 years old and had this youth ministry and, and thought pretty highly of myself, found my identity in being a youth minister at such a young age. was pretty excited that people were asking me to speak in different places at such a young age. 
And I remember something we, we heard in college where uh, this guy said, you know, pride is one of those sins that you can't compartmentalize. You can't say I only deal with pride. Pride is a cancer, he says. It starts spreading into every area of your life. If you're proud, you will be dishonest because then you wanna, you, you wanna cover yourself and so you start lying about things. If you're proud, eventually you'll be filled with lust. And it was the worst time in my life. Every time someone said, hey, Francis, I need to talk to you. Man, my heart starts pounding because I'm thinking, oh man, do they know? Do they know what's really going on in my life and my moral failures? And I remember being 22 years old and having to stand before my youth group. Once the elders found out about everything and just looked at them and said, you guys, I'm not who you think I am. Do you know how humiliating that was? Man, I was so depressed. I was so embarrassed. I, I was just waiting tables and I, I just, I told my friends, I go, man, I, I'm, I'm never going back into the ministry. I'll never go back. I want to go back to where I was in high school when I would just call people because I loved them. I, I was worried about them going to hell. I would see their faces and I would read this book and I read about this lake of fire and I'm just like begging them, no, no, no. But then I got into this position and it was, it was my job and I'm telling you, it changes things. It's weird when you start getting paid to do, do ministry. And, and it affected me, and, and my own sin affected me, and my own lust, my own pride, my own dishonesty. Man, everything started just coming. Uh, you know, so I just told people, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this ministry thing anymore. I'm just gonna wait tables, I'm just gonna share, and I remember you know, just sharing with my friends, the waiters and waitresses, and, and going to bed at night crying over their eternal destiny, and I thought, ah, oh, this is all I ever wanna do anymore. I just wanna be with them. I don't wanna do this position, this professional thing. And, and I remember one of my close friends just said, you know, I don't, I don't know that you have the right to do that. I don't know that you have the right to say, well, you know, I'm not going to ever do this thing again if God gives you a gift for, that's meant for the body, for you to say you won't use it in certain contexts is sin on your part. But honestly, in my heart, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. I was tired of living a lie, and I just didn't believe that I could be honest while I was in a ministry position. And I just feel like I needed to bring that up because with this many people in a room, there have got to be some lies in there, some major ones. And maybe God wanted me to bring this up because, man, I'm the last guy that will judge you for what you are doing. But even as I say this, you feel sick in your stomach and you're trying not to show it on your face. Man, I've been there. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's the most humbling, humiliating thing to, to just go, ah, oh, here I am, here's the truth about me. 
But man, if the Lord, if, if it's not right, man, you're, you're, you're duplicating hypocrisy. You're reproducing yourself in someone else. It's that integrity, the truth that God's going to honor and use. And I, I, no intention of going there tonight, but man, some of you, maybe tonight you hear this and you just know God is speaking to you and before you get found out, then maybe it's time to just say, here it is, here's the truth about me. Man, I, I hope we're about discipleship here. I hope we're about multiplying here. But I'm just saying, look at your own life first and make sure you're multiplying the right thing. Are you still in love with Jesus Christ? Ministry can mess you up. I mean, are you, is it, is it just you? Are you just in love? When's the last time it was just you and God alone and, and you're just connected to him going, God, I'm so crazy about you. I can't believe you saved me. I can't believe everything you've done for me. When's the last time you, you just connected with him, your heart, soul, mind, like I love him. Not I love ministry or I, I love what God's doing in our youth group or I love young life. It's just like, ah, oh, Jesus. I, could, I just want to be alone with Jesus. He's just everything everything to me because this can become a job are you still living by faith do you still you still believe what you read in these scriptures do you still take them literally do you still believe you're you're living biblically like your life fits in here I mean, for me, I, I, I left my church a little over a year ago, took my family, sold everything. We just went around different places going, God, where do you want us? Where do you want us? I'll, I'll stop anywhere. Because things had gotten comfortable for me. They got a little safe. You, you, you know, when you first start a church, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? Then you get in front of a crowd, you start teaching. You're like, wow, I can't believe I'm teaching. This, this is insane. But then after a while, it just becomes common. And when I look in Scripture, I see God wanting us to live these lives of faith. I've been pursuing that. We moved to San Francisco about a year ago and, and, and a few months ago started working in the inner city, which I'd never done. All I'd ever done was teach rich people. And so now I'm, I'm knocking on these doors and these low-income apartments, not knowing who's on the other side, just trying to build relationships, just putting myself in a different world. We're, we're gathering in a different way where, where we don't just, just come and sing some songs and, and, and teach a lesson. It's like, no, let's, let's get out on the streets. Let's bring some people in. Let's serve them. Let's do, let's, let's do that. And let's see if we can't do that before we start worshiping. And uh, it was so cool when we were driving home after the first Sunday, I, I looked at my family. I, I, I've got five kids. Yeah, five kids. <laughs> that was weird. Okay. Um, and I, I just looked at uh, my family and I just said, hey, what do you guys think? And we're driving home. And I love my 16-year-old my daughter. She just goes, Dad, that was awesome. She goes, Dad, I felt like we popped out of the Bible. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I love the way she said that. It felt like we just popped right out of the Bible. Like it was a continuation. I go, yeah, don't you love that? 
that's what I've been after. I, I, I'm tired of, of feeling like this is up here in the church and what we do as believers is here. I, I want to feel like we popped out of the Bible. You, you know, like the same things are happening like I saw in Scripture. Man, last week, okay, last week I, I was at a, this Christian concert thing that I was speaking at, and, and beforehand I was praying. I prayed a prayer that I've prayed many times. Like before I speak, I, I go, God, I don't want to just talk. I don't want to walk onto a stage, give a sermon, and then go back. I, I want to know that you were there. I want people to leave afterwards, you know, in awe of you. The last few years, I've taken the Bible more and more literally. Where I read Acts chapter 4, and, and, and I see how they, they got together, they prayed for courage, and the Bible says the place in which, you know, they prayed began to shake. And they were filled with the Spirit and continued to speak with more courage. And so I'm back, I'm on my knees, just going, God, I'm going out there. And I believe Acts 4. I believe that could happen. God, what if I prayed tonight and you actually shook the ground? That'd be awesome. You know? Because I believe that can happen. I, 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 think of a, I, I think about 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18. I, I believe it's literal that Elijah was literally on a mountaintop with the prophets of Baal. Remember that story? Hundreds of prophets of Baal, and they're screaming, God, you know, or they're screaming, Baal, Baal, you know, cutting themselves, please light this thing on fire, and nothing happens. Remember that story? And then I, Elijah just goes, God, show them who you are. Show them the real God. And fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, and it says all the people there said, the Lord, he is God the Lord, he is God. I love that phrase. It says people walked away going, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Going, you know what, Elijah? Whoever you just prayed to, that's the real one. Okay? <laughs> Baal sucks. The Lord, he is God. You, you know? Because they just saw fire come down from heaven, right? And, and I want that so bad. I go, God, I don't, no one said, Elijah, that was an awesome sermon. What an amazing prayer. Did you guys hear Elijah today? He nailed it. No, there was none of that, right? They just walked away going, oh my gosh, that God you just prayed to, he's it. He's it. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah cuts their heads off. Um, <laughs> Which, I, which has always bothered me, you know, because I think, well, it seems like they're repenting, you know? They're going, the Lord, he's, why would you cut their heads off now? Um, but a deal's a deal. Um, but I, I look at that passage, okay? And I'm back there praying just last week because I've, I've said that to God. I go, God, how come you don't do those things? Like, I, I, I want that so that people walk away not talking about a person or a sermon, but they just walk away going, wow, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like, I experienced something in that room. It, it, it shook. It was the power of God. It was the presence of God. And I pray again. I just go, God, I want people to leave going, God, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of Jesus and his power. He can do anything through me now because I know who you are. I mean, don't you pray that? And I remember last week even getting a little frustrated. 
going, God, I don't get it. I think I am praying in faith, but I've never seen that happen. Somehow, I, you know, and, and, and it was almost like this, God, do, come on, Francis, crazy love, you, you know, come on, let's do something, have a shake, I believe in you, have the fire come down, I believe in you, have some sort of manifestation in there so that, so they walk away just going, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And, and as I was praying and go, God, I don't get it. You, my favorite verse is, uh, is James 5, 17. Elijah was a man just like us. And Elijah prayed and I go, God, you, you tell me Elijah has nothing on me and yet he called down fire from heaven. Why is it that I pray for it right now and I'm not seeing it? And I don't wanna flippantly say God spoke to me, but I really felt like he did. As I was questioning, why does fire not come down from heaven? Why did it work for Elijah? Why not me? It was like God opening my eyes and goes, well, Francis, Elijah was on a mountaintop with hundreds of prophets of Baal. If he had lost, they would have chopped his head off. You're at a Christian concert. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a, there's this sense, you, you know, and, and it was like, it was like an opening of my eyes of how when we gather together like this, we want God to move so badly. We want to experience God. We want the worship to just keep going so that we can somehow feel the Holy Spirit, and you, you know, we want it right here. The more we sing, the more some will go, oh, I think I felt him. Yeah, I got him. It's just this, I don't know, I don't know. But when I read in Scripture, it's when we're in those positions of danger that the Holy Spirit seems to manifest himself. Jesus, you know, we want to experience his presence, but Jesus said, you know, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I command you. And surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. What is that in the context of as we're going and making disciples? Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what reason? To be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Luke 12, it says, hey, when you're, when you're brought before rulers, you know, and the, 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 these councils, and you don't know what to say, you don't have the words, he goes, don't worry, do not worry about it. Luke 12, 11, 12, at that very hour, the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to say. Not an hour before, not two hours, not two days. Right then, the Holy Spirit, right when I'm in this dangerous situation, it's like, oh my gosh, how those words come out. I mean, look in scripture. Isn't it at those times when they're out living by faith, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into that fiery furnace, they're going, how can there be four? We only threw three down. Why are there four of them in there? Right? Remember when Stephen was about to be stoned, all these Jews are picking up stones ready to, to kill him, and what does he do? He goes, oh my gosh, I see Jesus right now. I can see Jesus standing right there at the right hand of God. Go ahead, throw the rocks at me. I don't even care. It's in those moments where they were unsure that the Holy Spirit came and 
God was just showing me, you know, a lot of times we want this feeling in this room, this, 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 this sense of the Holy Spirit's presence, with us, which is a wonderful thing. And I do see that in Acts 4, but he was opening my eyes. He goes, you know what Acts 4 says is that the place in which they were sitting was shaken. And the believers were filled with the Spirit and continued to preach the Word, continued to preach the Gospel with boldness. And I, I want so badly that first part rather than saying, God, no, I want that second part. I want your spirit to fill these people with courage so that out there they experience your Holy Spirit. Not that we can't experience them here, but I'm saying, are you putting yourself in these positions of faith that require faith? Because the thing I've noticed in my life is, man, that's, that's when, I, when I see the Holy Spirit at work is when I'm scared. I'm sorry, I'm just roasting up here. Um, it's gonna hold off, but. How, how's your time alone with God? I mean, if I could ask God how his time alone with you was what would he say to me? You guys, the best thing my youth pastor taught me was to love this book and to get alone when no one else is around and just love this book and hold on to this book and read this book and just get alone with God. And I am so, I, I'm just eternally grateful for that man to teach me that. Because I'm telling you, it, it, it's me holding on to this book. When no one else is around, it's me and the Holy Spirit and this book. Those are the greatest times in my life. Because what's scary is, is, is a lot of times people in church will talk you out of this book. They'll keep you from believing this book. And they'll say, well, that doesn't really mean that. And that doesn't really mean that. And that doesn't really mean that. And, and it's just been so good for me these last few years in my life to say, you know what? I'm just not listening to it anymore. I just want to get alone with this book and, and just go, gosh, what does it say? And then I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. Man, because, oh, okay, 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 okay. Oh, sorry, so many thoughts. All right. For example... A couple months ago, I'm, I'm fixing some, uh, some, some paver brick things in my front yard, and some Jehovah's Witnesses come by. And they say, hey, hey, you know, can we talk to you? I go, sure. Just looked them in the eye, befriended them, and go, man, can I talk to you? And, uh, and I, just, I just started telling, you know, they, I let them talk for a little while. I go, can I just share some things God's done in my life recently? Can I just tell you some stories? I mean, just crazy things he's been doing. And I just started telling them about my answered prayers. And one of the ladies says, well, God doesn't listen to everyone. I go, you're absolutely right, he doesn't. I mean, James 1 says that if you, if you have doubt, he's not gonna listen to you. Later in James, he says, you, you know, if you're, you're asking with selfish motives, he's not gonna listen to that. Isaiah 58 says, I don't care if you fast and pray. If you're not caring for the poor, I'm not going to listen to you. 1 Peter 3 says, I better honor my wife as his fellow heir of the grace of life. Otherwise, my prayers will be hindered. 
Hey, there's, there's times, you know, like, like in, uh, in Amos when he's like, oh, I can't stand the noise of your songs. I go, so, so yes, 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 you're absolutely right. God doesn't listen all the time. He doesn't listen to everyone. I go, but he listens to me. I go, let me tell you some more stories. And they start to walk away. And I go, do you mind if I walk with you? Okay? And I just started walking with them a couple blocks because I'm concerned about these people. And I go, explain this story to me. Explain this story. You know, after a while, she finally stopped me and she looked at me. She goes, what are you? She goes, you're one of them Pentecostals. I said, don't worry about it. I go, all you need to know is I'm a human being just like you. I go, and I read this book for myself. And, and I just try to do what it says. And she looks at me and she goes, well, that's your problem. I go, what's my problem? She goes, you read that book for yourself. She goes, you can't understand it unless one of our leaders explains it to you. And I go, man, that's your problem. You don't believe the Holy Spirit of God will open your eyes to this book. And now you're listening to these leaders. You're just following these people. Who, who will tell you things and you'll conclude things that you never would have come up with on your own. I, I said, really? So you, you're telling me you would read through that book and end up going, yeah, Michael, the archangel, and Jesus, they're the same person. I go, there's no way on earth you'd come up with that. I said, listen, all I'm asking you to do is not listen to me or your leaders. Just get alone. Man, read this book, study this book. And as I, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's happening in the Christian church now too, where people don't feel like they can open this book and understand it anymore. Because every passage they turn to and think, well, it looks like I should actually love my neighbor. People in church go, no, 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 no. You don't literally do that. You know, when it talks about like the, the believers, you know, how they devoted themselves and, and how they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And, and it talks about how there was no needy person among them. I love that passage, but early on someone explained, well, yeah, but that was cultural. Back then they, they, they were used to living communally and sharing their stuff with everyone what everyone did. And I'm finally going, well, if everyone did it, then why do they make a big deal of it? You know, they, you know, the believers were standing out. They're like, man, look at these people. There's no needy people amongst them. They just share their stuff. And the world looked on and it became attractive. And I'm going, man, I want to do that. Seems biblical. People start questioning all these different passages, and I'm just going, man, just simply do it. And we've got to raise up a generation that's, that's willing to look at this book and just go, man, it says that. It seems like it says that. Let me just do it. And the other, the other week, um, the leaders of this thing, this whatever you want to call it, gathering that we have on Sunday, we, we just prayed and said, what, what does God want us to do? And I said, you know, I've always read that passage in Luke 14 where it says, you know, when you give a banquet, don't just invite your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. They'll just invite you back. He goes, but when you have a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. I go, let's just do that. It seems like he's saying, when you give a dinner or a banquet, 
do not invite your friends. You know, I'm just, you know, and before anyone explains to me that doesn't really mean that, you know, let's just do it. And it was so cool. We just let's just grab like 50 people off the street and just blow their mind. Let's bring in chefs. Let's just put the most elaborate banquet on for them. And it was just one of the coolest nights of my life. I mean, the whole week before, I was like giddy because my wife had gone and bought presents for them all. It was right before Christmas. And, and, and you, know, we, we, you know, some of them that had nothing to wear, my wife took them shopping, you know, took them to Macy's. And here's these homeless ladies all decked out, you know, and photographers, everything else. And I was so fired up, so excited. And it was like the week before that I, I felt like God just opened my eyes again to going, man, I'm so pumped about next Sunday. And it hit me. It's like, wow, God, is that how you feel right now? Are you up there getting ready for this banquet going, man, Francis has no clue what he's in store for. Like, are you up there going, man, wait till he dies. He's going to love this. Wait till he dies. Is this why precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints? Man, it was just, it's just taking the scripture biblically again. And I, I mean, do you believe this still? Do you believe as you're sitting there that you're not just a human being? That right now, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is literally inside of your body right now. That right now as I speak, you're not looking at flesh and blood, but, but there's, a, there's this Holy Spirit, like I'm the temple of God, like the, like the holy of holies in the Old Testament where oh, I don't dare walk in there. Like that's me now, and God is inside of me somehow communicating to you. Like do you still believe that? Have you lost it? I had years of people telling me that book doesn't really mean that. And I'm just done with that. I mean, I remember as a kid, just reading, it's a little embarrassing, but I remember reading that passage where it says, you know, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. And I remember reading that and just taking it literally and I remember just going into my bedroom as a high school student and I just tried to move stuff. <laughs> Let's be honest, has anyone else done that? Thank you. Okay. I think it's okay. I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I just remember I'm just starting with a pencil. Man, what is wrong with me? You, you know, this is a mountains. This is a little number two pencil. It's just, you're just staring, but I believed, you know, and later on, like, just like, just like the fire thing, I get it now. It's like, no, okay. It's not just so I can do tricks and watch this. It's, it's, it's when that time comes, I believe if I need to move something, I'll be able to move it. I just do. I, I, I think when Jesus says, you know what, you'll be able to do the things I did and you'll do even greater things than these. I'm going to the Father as I believe it again. I do. I, I, I really think I can do what Jesus did. That, that's the only way I can understand the Word of God. And what I'm praying for is a generation that's rising up again that just adores this book, lives by this book, still living by faith, willing to risk their lives. 
but it starts with you guys. Man, my wife and I knew we could no longer pastor Cornerstone Church unless we were really following the Spirit of God. And at that time, the Spirit of God was saying, your job is done here. Go, and I don't know where you're going to end, or you don't, he knew, but you won't know where you're going, just, just go. And, and it was just this time where I go, okay, we just got to be obedient, otherwise what in the world are we duplicating? And I, I, don't, I don't know why the Lord led me this direction. Maybe some of you have gotten comfortable in your positions and doesn't mean necessarily leave, but maybe you've gotten so comfortable with a, a certain program that, that you're, no longer, you're no longer just going with the Spirit. Because it's so much safer. Because if, if you just go with what you know works, at least you know something's going to happen. Even if it's not real fruit, at least it'll look like it. Right? And then you'll still, you won't make a fool of yourself, but, but man, I'm just saying we got to go for it. And we've got to follow the Spirit. It would have been so much easier for me to come up here in the flesh tonight, and I tell you, I wanted to so badly. I'm fighting with God back there. I go, man, I got a good one in there. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. But I believe what the Spirit of God is saying tonight is some of you know you're not at peace with this book. Forget your ministry and everything else. You don't just go, man, I'm living this. And yet you feel like you're going to let down the ministry if you stop or this or that or you might change, might mess something up. And I'm just going, man, go back to that time when it was just you and God you and the Holy Spirit and this book. What is he teaching you? What is he telling you to do? What is he literally asking you to do? And then just go for it. It'll be the best thing for you, best thing for your group. And above all, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it with a sense of reverence before God. What we do is a very sacred thing. And let me just close with this verse. Psalm 25, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. Can we pray? God, I just feel like I went back and forth between me and you in the flesh and in the spirit and God I just pray now that your spirit would just sort it all out in our minds God ultimately Lord help us to surrender 
God, I want to I want to see everything in that book. I want to see it now. God, I don't believe it was for back then. God, I believe at the end times it's supposed to just increase, God, our faith, our courage. And God, we live in a world where everything's so comfortable and everyone's trying to get us just to entertain ourselves all day. And God, we want to experience you. And so help us, God, help us to see through the fog. Help us to get alone with you and really hear from your spirit. God, I pray for these brothers and sisters of mine that we would really live like, God, we're in a war. There's a spiritual warfare going on. And some of these students, Lord, in their schools, God, you're calling them to follow you, to be the future leaders, God. So may we disciple them well. But God, right now I pray for these leaders. Would your Holy Spirit lead them right now, Father? Would your Holy Spirit just direct them wherever they need to go? You know who's comfortable. You know who's lying. You you know who's not filled with the Spirit. God, change us. Fill us, Lord. Thank you. For these brothers and sisters of mine, Lord, that don't just sit in a pew every week, but they're trying to put themselves out there and getting in uncomfortable situations. Please keep them strong, Lord. Please raise them up into just an amazing army this year. Thank you for young life and all the faithful service all of these years, God. But I pray for something new, something even greater than everything we've experienced, Lord. Because I just believe there is still so much more of you that we need to experience in this country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.